Welcome back to another episode of Pilates Elephants, and I'm here with Tanil Palmer. Welcome, Tanil. Hi, Russ. How are you? I'm awesome. Great to be with you. So um, we're here today to talk about your journey to uh, building a home-based Pilates business in your garage. Um, and so can you can you first uh, start by introducing yourself to the Pilates stratosphere? Yes. So, um, so I'm Tanil and mum of three kids. Um, I've been teaching Pilates for not really that long in the Pilates world, so only since 2019. And I have a home studio with six reformers. Um, didn't always have six reformers, but we've now got six. And um, keeping very, very busy at the moment with kids and a business. And my husband runs a business. So, yeah, that's pretty much me in a very quick nutshell. <laughs> okay, so you've been teaching Pilates since 2019. You're based here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, uh, in fact, we're probably 30 kilometres apart from each other at the moment. Um, and you, But you didn't start running your own business when you first started uh, teaching. So can, can, we, can you take me right back, please, to before you even started teaching Pilates and just tell me how you fell in love with Pilates. Like what, how, did you become, you know, how did you make the decision to become a Pilates instructor? Um, yeah, so I think my story is a little different to what others might be. I became a Pilates instructor before I fell in love with it. Um, so an opportunity came knocking. <laughs> so it was an arranged marriage. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, I was, uh, in the fitness industry only just briefly as well. So I was a baby in the fitness industry and I was, um, working at F45, um, which I loved. And I was one of those F45 junkies, went every day, twice a day, just loved the vibe, loved the, the group situation and the social um, and I'd been doing that for only 12 months. And if, sorry to interrupt, but F, F45 is a high intensity circuit based workout, uh, franchise here in Australia. Yep. That's the one. Um, yeah. So a friend of mine who had been working at a large franchise studio, um, told me that they were looking for new staff and I didn't think that, you know, I didn't realize that you could teach Pilates not having had the certification but she said no 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 you can do it um you should apply you should apply and that just yeah I thought oh that's cool I'd done the intro a couple of years before that and I really liked it um but being situated where we are in Melbourne it's still quite a distance so it's not something I kept doing um because of the drive so yeah I thought oh I'll send an email to the studio owners and we'll just see what happens and um yeah and I got it so um yeah, so then I went through um, a six-week pretty intense academy and then next thing I was thrown into a room with 14 reformers and it was kind of sink or swim, really. And you must have you must have swum. I Yeah, I thought I was going to drown a couple of times but just kept plugging away. It was, it was um, yeah, quite an intense experience, yeah. All right, and so how long were you teaching Pilates for before you started to? I mean, I, I'm assuming that you have fallen in love with Pilates because you've decided to really throw yourself into it. You know, a hundred percent at this point, you've repurposed your home, you've spent truckloads of money on six reformers, you're doing it as a full time business. So, am I correct in assuming that you actually like are really into Pilates these days? Yeah, yeah. It's it's everything. I don't I don't really do any of that high intensity F forty five anymore. It's uh it's Pilates every day, every day for me now. So it's changed everything. So, so how did that come about? You know, to, you 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 one nostril above water, teaching these large reformer classes. You know, five minutes after being certified. Um, yeah, tell me what happened next. Um. So I guess I always knew that I wanted to run something from home. Um, so, cause I was new and that's why I sort of got it. I've always loved fitness and been into it. And my, um, my husband has his own business and, um, I knew that I wanted to do something from home. Uh, 
to just complement um, the income that we already had and something that I could do working around the kids. And, um, you know, there's a PT on every corner. So I felt like that wasn't quite it because of where, yeah, personal trainer, sorry. <laughs> um, so I thought that wasn't quite it given where we're situated. So um, the town that we live in, we have a population of 400 people. So it has to be a drive to come see me or to run something from home. And if it wasn't a bit of a niche, I didn't feel like people would would take the drive and come and come um, be my client, I suppose you might say. Um, so when I sort of had the idea of, yeah, I could be a reformer Pilates instructor, I was like, this could be it. And I felt like it, it was a bit of a buzz at the time as well. So it seemed like a good qualification to get in something um, I could try out in that environment and learn a lot and then and then bring it home possibly. And it wasn't a solid plan, but it was something I thought, oh, it's worth it's worth diving in and see where we go with it. And yeah, I brought one well, we brought one reformer and um and I yeah, had one reformer and that's where I started. Okay. Tell me about how you tell me about how you started that because you are in you're on the outskirts of metropolitan Melbourne, um, so like technically you're in you're in Melbourne, but you're in basically it's a semi-rural area that you're in. Like there's horses and stuff, right? When you drive <laughs> um, down the road near you, so uh, so how did you transition? Like you're not you're going to get zero passing trade. You're not going to get people just walking past your shop front and going, "Oh, Pilates, I'll give it a go." So how do you how did you attract client number one? So client number one, I had I had a separate Instagram page from um, when I went through the academy and I just thought I'd document, um, yeah, starting Pilates and a bit of travel. It was a, a bit of a mixed batch, like travel and fitness and that kind of thing. So I had this little page, a couple of hundred followers, and um, I just put on my stories, now taking one-on-one clients for Reformer Pilates. And I had someone respond and I didn't know her. Um she knew of some same friends of ours, but I didn't know her, wasn't a friend, no family members. And um, and she responded to my little story on Instagram and we made a time and, and she came and um, she's been coming every week ever since. So that was, that would have been in mid-2020. So it was in between lockdowns too. Um, so that was my first client. Yeah. <laughs> I I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of DMs from people, and we, you know, we often you know, have discussions about business. And one of the things that I very commonly hear is some version of, oh, "I live in a kind of a small town in whatever country, and there's only a you know a couple of thousand people in this town, or it's a you know it's not a big kind of wealthy in an urban, you know, posh suburb or anything. So therefore, the people near me, you know." don't know what Pilates is and there's not a lot of Pilates studios around here and so it's like they they don't they don't see the value they can't afford to pay for it there's not enough clients and and I think you know most some of the time that is true right some I mean if you're trying to sell Pilates in I don't know the middle of Nigeria or something in the you know <laughs> I imagine it's probably going to be pretty hard but um but I think, by and large, if you live in an industrialized economy, um, there's always opportunity. And so I'd lo- I, I feel like a lot of times that is a self-limiting belief that people have about uh, th- that stops people from from opening a business or stops people from pr- effectively promoting their business or from charging uh, as much as they should or could charge because they have this belief that they can't because of the size of the location they're in or the type of people who live near them or the lack of other competition around them. Um, So I'd like to understand your mindset because from the way that you described it there, it didn't seem to me like you had a whole lot of kind of self-doubt or, you know, like, did you have naysayers? Did you, did people tell you you were crazy? Did you have doubts? How did you, how did you navigate that? Um, I didn't really have, no, I didn't, I didn't have much self-doubt about it. And I just thought, because I didn't have a solid plan, like, oh, I'm going to have this big studio. There wasn't these big wild dreams about it. It was just like, oh, if I could get a couple of one-on-ones in my, in my home, 
um, then that's great. Like that's a bit of extra income and, and that'd be nice and it keeps me busy and I, I don't, I like to work even though I've got the kids. Like I want to keep, you know, doing something for me and developing my skills. So um, I guess if I'd never got an answer to, to that little story on Instagram, I would have felt a bit deflated, but I probably would have kept trying and someone would have come eventually. Um, but I guess like in terms of my friends, I had one of my close girlfriends who is um, also a personal trainer and she'd never been on a reformer, absolutely petrified to go to a studio and, and she was a personal trainer. I was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. Like, And um, so we did a little one-on-one and and she really loved it and and she's like, you should, you should do this. Like, cause she run, um, she was running some one-on-ones from her garage, personal training. And yeah, she goes, you should just, you should do it. I'm going to tell all my clients to come to you. Um, but being living where she w- lives and where her clients were that I had one of her clients that did come for a really long time. But, um, other than that, yeah. Um, and my husband's always been very supportive. He was like, yeah, you should do it. And, um, buy the reformer and just give it a whirl and and I suppose in terms of where we live to me it's a, I feel like there's still enough around us you know everything's a 10 minute drive and anyone who lives around here knows that you're going to drive minimum 10 minutes to go shopping to go to the gym that kind of thing but reformer Pilates was still a good 30 minute drive um so that puts people off especially if you want to continue and um and I think I just wanted to offer it to this little pocket of our community because um, we sort of live just out of um, Metro. Um, so you can get to places, but it's a bit of an inconvenience. So I wanted it to be more convenient and available to more people. When did your – when did – all right, so I want to I ask you that question, the follow-up question of like when did your ambitions start to grow and change and when did you, you know, start to think, oh, maybe I could whack in – two more reformers or four more reformers or six more reformers or whatever. Um, so I want to, I want to go there in a minute, but, uh, firstly, I, I, I want to ask you like, well, in fact, no, let's, let's go there first. So, so you, you started out with this, you know, one reformer, one client, just some random person off Instagram, you know, at what point did you start to think, Oh, you know, I could be onto something here. Like when did your ambitions expand? Um, (laughs) Well, I ended up, I think I had about four or five one-on-ones every week Um, and I was still working in the studio as well. So I was working a whole shift and then having to fly home and quickly jump in my studio and try and and see my one-on-one clients. And, And it was really fulfilling and I just felt like I was building a really good, I guess, you know, you build a good relationship with what felt like my clients, whereas when I was in this big studio, they didn't feel like they were my clients. They were just coming and going. It was a dual studio, so there was always two instructors to choose from. It's busy and it just didn't have, I guess for me, self-fulfilling. It was better. I enjoyed my time at home with with the new clients that I had and – and I guess I was just starting to get really busy and I would post stuff with with my client's permission on Instagram, you know, photos of them and just uh, they would share it on their page and they would tell their friends and then I was getting more people message me about it. Um, so I just thought this this could be a thing. And I, I had the reformer in my husband's office um, and so I was kicking him out of his office when I had a client so he couldn't work because I was a reformer. And, um, yeah, once I was getting a bit busy, he got completely kicked out because I wanted to clean it up because it was all cluttered and messy. Um, and I guess that's when we knew that this is going to be a thing. Let's just turn it into a thing. So I resigned where I was and, um, and got the second reformer, which was a really big deal. Like it felt like such a big deal at the time. Like, oh my God, two reformers, I've got to make this work. And as soon as I got the two reformers, that's when I knew this is this is the best decision that I've made. Hmm. All right. I wanna I wanna go back and just remark on um something that I think's 
very you've i'm not sure if you did it on purpose or if you just kind of stumbled on it or whatever but it's actually a really effective strategy in goal setting and behavior change to kind of like almost trick yourself by setting a really low goal to begin with and going oh look i'll just go on this diet for one day you know when like in the back of your mind you know it's going to be a lifelong thing right right but you just you say look i'll just do it i'll just do i'll just go for a walk for 10 minutes you know at Whereas you know you've got to walk for an hour a day, right? But but you you just, that's kind of what you did. You said you said look look you know I'll just whack a reform in my husband's office and I'll just I'll just take one or two clients here and there just to get some pocket money and have some fun and and you know keep myself occupied. But really, it's like you by setting by doing that you kind of took a lot of pressure off yourself, and it didn't didn't make it a big thing and made it made it you know really an easy goal with no pressure. And you kind of tricked, maybe you kind of tricked yourself into kind of starting it without really giving it a second thought because it wasn't this big thing you were getting into. It was just kind of like a little hobby that you were contemplating. Yeah, that's exactly. Good good self-psychology there. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, All right. And so when you... And and so I think that's that's a you know I think that is a um, uh, a rule of thumb that I that that I use in my business and we we just passed four and a half million you know this year and we still use that same uh, rule of thumb that you just articulated basically you know when to grow like when to buy another reformer or when to renovate the garage or when to whatever for us it's like when to hire another team member when to spend more on ads when to you know. In, implement a new system or whatever and the answer is like when you when that is the biggest constraint right so when 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 your biggest constraint is like well if i had another reformer i could fill it right or if like if i had this room full time i could take twice as many clients because i've got people knocking on my door wanting to do it that's when it's time to to make that expansion um so it sounds like i'm not sure by intent or design or blind luck or good fortune or whatever you've but you've done it you know you've done it done it brilliantly i think you've, you've played your cards exactly right yeah yeah and i think yeah it did you could just feel it every time so even when i had the two reformers going for about i think it was only like two or three months and i was like i need a third one and this room that i was in um I could fit one more in. It was a squeeze, but I could get it in there. And because um, I found once I went from one reformer to two or three, people wanted to come more because they could bring a friend because everyone's scared to come on their own. Um, so as soon as they can bring a friend, it was like it was on and the messages and I couldn't keep up. And I, my school of thought were, originally was like, well, if I can get another one in, I can do, I can see more clients in the same amount of time rather than you know, um, at more hours of work, um, you know, busy mum, we've got another business. I work in that business and, you know, you're juggling all the balls. So I was like, I want to work as small amount of hours with the maximum clients. So, um, yeah. And then the three was the max in that particular room that I was in. <laughs> uh, and did you play Tetris in that room with the reformers and try and switch them around different ways and see how many you could squeeze in? Yeah, it was a it was a funny shaped room, and um, so the two first reformers had a better space, and then the next one, like you couldn't, the third one I put in, like you couldn't do like pull ups on the um, on the pulley arms when you're facing reverse because you just hit your head on the wall. And so that was just a that was just like a spare bedroom, right in your in your house. No, well it wasn't actually. So it's in it's in our garage, and it was purpose built as my husband's office. <laughs> um, yeah, so when we moved here, he used to actually run his – he's a plumber. He ran his plumbing business from our garage many years ago and we purpose-built the office attached to the garage so we had all the tools and everything and then the office in there. And our other business since moved out but he was still in there with his office and, um, yeah, now he's out too. <laughs> okay, and it sounds, so it sounds like you had already some skills and experience in running a business because you'd work from the sounds of things you'd work with your husband in the plumbing business is that true yeah that's true although i don't really have much to do with the face value or anything of our plumbing business he he does all the liaising with the builders and that kind of thing i'm just sort of taught myself how to bookkeep and um and pay employees and all that kind of stuff yeah when it started growing you know you're going from one reformer to two reformers to three reformers where are all these extra clients coming from? 
Uh, well, they were coming from about 10 minutes down the road in a little town called Bunyip, significantly bigger than the town we live in. We're small, there's nothing here. They're about 10 minutes drive and it was oh, funny because sorry. I... Uh, I, I'm, I'd, I'd, sorry, I'd, I articulate, articulated my question very poorly. What I meant was, how did you attract those clients? Like, where did, how did you market and, you know, acquire those clients? How did they know you were, you existed? Oh, I, I, social media. It's, that's, that's the only thing I really did. Um, I would, you know, with their permission again, I would tag them in my stories and they would share with their friends. They were obviously enjoying it and then talking to their friends. So it was either, um, social media, people would just DM me and inquire or, um, or yeah, or they've got word of mouth from the people who are already coming. And that was the bread and butter of it really. Right. So you just take a photo of them working out and go, and then just post it on Instagram and tag them. And yeah. And I guess the other thing, yeah. And just, you know, any availability that I had, if there was a spare spot, I was, um, who wants to, you know, just a little on the stories, a little bit on the page. Um, but yeah, just saying that I had free spots and people would just DM me and want to try it out. And how many social media followers did you have at that point, roughly? Probably about um, only, I think only a couple of hundred. Would have been four or five hundred, maybe. Wow. Way to, way to leverage your, your uh, follow account. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so... So how did your, how did your, you know, did, did, have you switched now like to, because at the start you were very much just kind of going with the flow by the sounds of things, right? It was completely organic, but it, it, my sense is from what you've said that at some point you've kind of switched and gone, hold on, I think I'm onto something here. And you've actually sat down and maybe, I don't know if you sat down, but you, you've, it seems to me like from what you've done and what you've said that you've you've got a much more goal oriented sort of strategy at the moment. Like you've you've rebuilt the garage, you've got six reformers, you know, like you've got an actual business now, like a legit business. So, you know, did, did it change at some point from being like very very organic kind of growth to just kind of you like intentionally growing the business? And if so, can you describe that process? Um, yeah. So I guess the light bulb moment and would probably be in the lockdown. Lockdown's got a lot to do with it. I had a lot of time to think, I suppose. Um, so, um, you know, my little three-bed studio was closed down um, and I was just starting to really, you know, gain that traction and build connection with the clients that I had and it was just so, oh, it was a bit devastating. I was really upset and and then to be at home and... Um, and not really be able to connect with them. They didn't have reformers at home. Um, so I put my, uh, you know, so I was like, I'll offer, you know, Matt Pilates um, on Zoom. And and every week, it was just once a week, just to sort of keep some connection. And I did have one client who had a reformer at home, who was the first client that I ever had. So I said, well, we can keep doing one-on-ones once a week. And then once some of the other clients got wind of that, they all went and bought reformers in lockdown in 2021. And yeah, yeah. Um, so they were all calling um, Dean at the Pilates Solution going, Tenille sent me, Tenille sent me. So shout out to Dean. He kept getting all of these clients that he had to deliver out to regional areas and d- deliver reformers. Um, uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a bit funny. I was having a giggle, but they were so invested that they would, they all, we had about, I think there was a group of about eight or nine clients and we would meet up three times a week for a Pilates class. And we just built this real tight little community through lockdown. And, and I was still offering the once a week mat. Um, and it was during that time, um, you know, I kept, you know, I kept having the conversations with my husband, like, I think, I think I want more reformers and I think I want to make this a bit a bit bigger because I can just, I could just feel it. There's a feeling. I don't know. It's just a feeling. And, and I think it was about in the, I think it was about August or September. And I remember we were going to come out of lockdown, but we didn't. And I was like, it's now or never like, we've got to do it. I don't want to have to then stop once we reopen. Um, so we, yeah, 
totally renovated what we had left of the garage. We left the room that was the office and the original studio, um, gutted the garage and everything that was in the garage went into a shipping container on the front yard. And um, in about five weeks, we um, we had a brand new studio and three more reformers delivered. So um, yeah, that was, that was, there was a moment in lockdown where I was like, I've got to do it now or it won't happen. So we did it. <laughs> How do you build that tight community? Because it seems that that has that the community was a crucial element of your business success, especially in that early phase. People, you said they brought their friends, they tagged them on socials, they were like, and then their friends inquired with you. And and you know what really struck me was when. You said that basically half a dozen of your clients just went out and bought a reformer, which is, you know, really freaking expensive, you know, and it's like, where the heck do you put a reformer in your house? Like, you know, so, so that, that, that is a major level of commitment. Those people are dedicated to their workout. So how do you build, how did you build that level of community and dedication? Um, well, I, I guess before we were in the lockdown, you know, you just you just got to build that alliance with them and, and, and build the relationship and be their friends. So, you know, often you can't get them out the door after their session because you're just busy talking all the time. <laughs> um, when you really, you're like, oh no, my next client's coming and you can't get them out the door. Um, but you enjoy the conversation as well, you know, but um, um, I, yeah, I guess just you, you got to be friends with your clients and be interested in their, their lives. Um, I, I'm also, what I haven't mentioned is, um, I've got a child, uh, we've got child friendly classes. So I've always had kids, um, in the studio as well. So I think that's a big bonus as well as I get to, um, I get to know their kids and I don't know, there's just lots to talk about. Um, so I guess that sense of, oh, you know, Tennille cares about me and, and I'm enjoying the workout. Um, and then in lockdown, I guess over a screen, um, everyone stuck at home and you'd finish, you'd finish your session on Zoom and then everyone would hang around for a chat for 20 minutes on Zoom. So I feel like, yeah, that's where it really started to build. And to what extent are your clients basically you? Like, I mean, you know, kind of young mums living in a you know, semi-rural area, you know, like, are, are you your market? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, majority of them, uh, uh, initially were, um, you know, same as me, similar age, similar age kids. We all live in the same area. So, you know, you've got a lot in common. Um, everyone knows everyone too. So, you know, they walk into the studio and it's like, oh, you go here too. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And everyone, yeah, everyone's friends. So it's, it's, um, it's really good. And you don't have to introduce people because they already know each other. I'm sorry. I, I would. T- I can totally imagine how that would play out outside the studio as well, where those people would meet at coffee or the library with their kids or mothers' group or whatever, and they'd be like, "Oh, so and so, you know, was down at Pilates the other day, and I ran into her." And they, you could see how other people then in that situation would be like, "Oh, maybe I want to come to Pilates as well." Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I. I think. Um, I think that's what happens behind the scenes. I don't see all that, but. Yeah, everyone and my clients will give me the the feedback like, "Oh, everybody knows about you, the lady in Tainong, the lady in Tainong, like who teaches Pilates, you know." Um, so there's there's lots of there's lots of talk behind the scenes that I'm not aware of, and um, yeah, and then but it, it brings the people to the studio. So um, I do have a lot of other other clients. Um, you know, I've got a lot of young younger younger people younger they're probably like late 20s still career driven um no kids that kind of thing and they've um and they come quite regularly and then I do have some older ladies as well so um yeah there is a bit of a mix but I would say majority is you know you you have mums with young kids um living in this rural area Mm. Give me a, a sense of, of where your business is at at the moment. So you've got six reformers in your garage, which was a double car garage. Now, how how I'm assuming that you have squeezed in as many as you physically can into that space. Is that true? Yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, it's it's not it's not a real squeeze, but I've, I've dabbled with the idea of trying to get a seventh one in there, but it 
as I've moved them around, and it's quite a quite a workout moving six reformers around and then putting them back just to see if you can fit one. Um, I, I possibly could, but I just feel it would be too much. It would be too much. It would be there'd be so many exercises that I love teaching that I couldn't teach. Um, but I could have where where we had the old reformers. That's now the the kids area. So potentially I could have more room, but then I don't, I wouldn't be able to run the child-friendly classes and that's my, you know, that's my market and now I guess it is my target market as well because it works so well. Um, So possibly there could be a seventh, but I, yeah, it just doesn't feel quite right to me if I just squeeze it in there just for one reformer, but. And so how close are the reformers? Like, are there any exercises that you currently can't do? Like, say, legs, circles, legs in straps or side-lying legs in straps or anything like that? Yeah, so the legs in straps. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes a bit of footsies happen, but I move them. I try to – they get shuffled around, you know. They jump down the, down to the end of the wall and you just got to reshuffle them so they're not parallel with each – well, they're parallel, but, you know, they're ones further closer to the wall and – they're offset, that's the word. Um, and, but if the reformers have been jumping around that day, you get to your next class and, you know, they touch toes or something and it's a little bit awkward if they don't know each other, but we always have the joke, I'm like, yeah. If you had to, sorry, if you just had to give me like a rough estimate of how far apart they are, like if I put a measuring tape between the rail of one reformer and the rail of the next reformer, how far would it be, do you reckon? Um, so it'd be like your short box. So when you turn the box short ways, landscape. So like 50, 50 centimetres, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Great. Um, and uh, how many sessions do you run each week? Um, so at the moment we're at about 25. And are you teaching all of those? No, not not anymore. Well, I guess I never really did. I've got um, I've got Georgia who works for me, so she teaches eight to ten sessions a week, and um, and I've got Jade who is actually one of my first clients. Who fa- hers is more the stereotypical story. She came, fell in love with it, became a Pilates instructor. So, how many sessions do you do? You, how many sessions do you personally teach each week? Um, so. Uh, it's a bit alternating with the Saturdays and that kind of thing, but yeah, somewhere around between you know fourteen to eighteen a week. And so, how many hours in total do you personally work? Because I'm assuming there's admin and you know stuff like that. I said this to my husband the other day. I'm like, I should just clock on and off every time I stop and like get caught up with the business because I feel like I'm I'm just it's just little bits through the day and then it'll be an hour here and then I'll do something else and then I'll get an email from a client or a message but there would there's a definitely a few out a lot of hours behind the scene I would say I could easily fill a day um, with behind the scenes stuff um, but you kind of have to scatter it throughout throughout the week. Right. So when you say fill a day, you mean like one full day, like eight hours a week? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like there'd definitely be eight hours behind the scenes. Okay, so if you're teaching 14 to 18 sessions a week and you're working eight hours, you're working, you know, roughly 20 to 25 hours a week, something like that? Yeah, yep, that sounds fair. And how are you doing financially? What are, what's the revenue like or what, how much are you taking out of the business at the moment? Uh, so it's it's pretty good. Um, I'm in a unique – I. Um, you could call it lucky, but I was in a situation where I didn't have to work. So for me, it wasn't about how much I could take from the business and and keep and, and um, it was more just supplementary income. Um, so we're at a point now, um, I've just had a meeting with the accountant where we're looking at we're going to have to charge GST, uh, which I'm not overly, yeah, I'm not keen on that, but at the same time, do I let it grow or do you just keep it in its little neat bubble? It's one of those. Right. And that means you're about to hit $70,000 in revenue here in Australia. That's where you've got to add GST. Yeah. So that's about where we're at. Yeah. Hmm. And how long have you been going? How long since you put in the six reformers? Uh, so the six reformers was November 2021. We had our well, reopening day with the the new renovated studio in the November of 21, just after we came out of that lockdown. So that is uh, one year and three months. That's 15 months. Yep, that's it. 
congratulations. What an Thank amazing, you. It's what been... amazing achievement. <laughs> You've built an amazing little business. Yeah, no, it's um, it's been crazy, but good. <laughs> um, so it sounds, it's. I mean, it, my sense of you, Tennille, is you don't really have a problem with sort of like uh, negative self-talk or just lack of self-confidence, like just from your actions, you've just kind of like gone ahead and just done stuff. Um, you don't seem like you hesitate too much before you pull the trigger and, and move forward with things. Um, so is that true? And and if if so, like, and I, know, I know I kind of asked you this before, but like as the business has grown and you've become more focused on it, like at any point has have you – well, first, I guess, first question I want to ask is like, yeah, is that true? You know, how, how's your confidence and have you had any challenges in sort of like the self-belief area or, you know, do you have any advice for others who are maybe suffering from paralysis by analysis, um, you know, waiting to get started? Yeah, um, I, I am kind of lucky in that I've always been that way. If I want to try something, I'll just try it. Um, I guess you can worry about what other people think, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's what you think about yourself. And um, I I just think don't compare – you can't compare yourself to other people either. Um, as, as the business has grown, it is really easy. A lot of other little home studios have popped up around, um, which, you know, you, you do start to look and, and go, oh, what are they doing? And, you know, I've just had – got to sometimes just put your blinkers on with that kind of stuff um, just because that that's what will – that's what will kill it because if you start to doubt yourself and you just, I guess, you know, I've got it now that I've come where I, I'm at, where I'm at, I can look back and go, I've done something right and what's worked is, and I've got to just keep keep moving forward with what I know has already worked and the clients that I have, you know. And I've listened to, I've listened to enough Pilates Elephants episodes, you know, there's enough clients for everyone and there's, you know, I'm in a tiny little town and I've managed to do this anyway. So you can't, you can't um, you can't worry too much that um, everybody's a competitor. They're not. They're probably more your friend, and they're probably experiencing the the same things you are. And I think it's the people who have done what you what you want to do. They're the one, and and the ones that will share with you their gold, and um, the ones that are happy to give you advice, and it's not going to benefit them. Um, reach out to those people. There's lots of people on Instagram. Um, that I've that I've only met on Instagram. So, um, well, actually, no, I have met Laura Sagers once. We um we did a Pilates class together. But you know, I've had many, many um DMs with her. Um, Beck Tropic. I don't even know Beck's surname. I just know she's Beck Tropic. That's what Heath calls her. <laughs> um, you know, and reaching out to those kind of people, and they give you the confidence. Yeah, you know, you can ask a few questions and. And I've found, yeah, just reaching out to, um, yeah, all of the community that's out there. Don't be afraid to ask questions and don't see everyone as your competitor. See them as someone who can help you in your journey and everyone can help each other um, rather than, yeah, I think, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I'm babbling now. <laughs> yeah. What great, what great advice! And uh, you are doing that right now by sharing candidly your experiences, and you know, hopefully, uh, this will be an inspiration and you know, useful information for people out there contemplating something similar. Uh, I want to keep, uh, I want, I want to keep talking about the the advice side of things, and I hundred percent agree with you that finding somebody who's already done what you want to do. And then asking them, you know, for advice is a is a fantastic strategy. Uh, but presumably, you haven't always agreed with all of the advice that you've received. So, what's your strategy for passing? You know, for, for basically filtering that advice and going, okay, I'm going to accept this bit of advice and reject that bit of advice, etc. Like, how do you how do you filter? Oh, that's a good question. Um... I guess I know my clients and my studio better than anyone, so you've got to sort of know what fits and what and what doesn't fit. Um, and I know that I I really I could have kept the studio smaller and had more one on one two on one interaction with people, but me personally, um, I I love a group vibe. I like to get the music pumping and have a bit of a you know a Pilates party. 
Um, so when I was kind of weighing up, do I make it bigger or do I make it smaller? And, you know, there were, there were, I could see the benefits in keeping it smaller and more, more boutique or personalized, but, um, I knew what I enjoyed and what really got me going as a, as an instructor and what made me enjoy it more. And like you said, like my, me is my target, my market. So if I'm enjoying it, then the people who are going to come to me are probably going to enjoy it too. Um, so filtering out, yeah, just what fits. What about your clients? Because I imagine, I mean, maybe maybe I'm off track here, but I imagine that as you grew from the one reformer to two to three to six, et cetera, there was some, there must have been some resistance from some of your clients who felt it was becoming less intimate, less personal. It's like I will be inundated with, you know, thousands of people in these sessions. I won't be able to do my leg circles anymore. Um, you know, did you have any of that resistance? And if so, how did you, how did you manage through that? Ah, oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, I don't feel like I had a lot of resistance. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can only think of like three who didn't come back and we had a few conversations um but it it wasn't uh look they didn't say that directly um but it didn't feel like it was it was it wasn't big enough for me to go oh wow I'm making the wrong decision um one of them you know they they tried it in the new studio and they you know they haven't returned but I've bumped into them down, you know, at the supermarket or whatever. We have a good chat and, oh, I've got to come back. I've got to come back. So whether they're just saying that or not. Um, but, you know, three, you know, it's not going to be for everyone, the group vibe. And if you're wanting something personalised, and I, I, I understand that as well. Um, but I would say the majority were really excited for, for a, a studio with more reformers. I mean, they keep asking, like, when, when are you moving? When are you going to make it bigger? Like, <laughs> Uh, so what about what about just feedback in general from clients? Like how do you filter that? Because it's you know, feedback incredibly valuable and you can make your business so much better by accepting feedback. But uh, it's been my experience that, you know, sometimes like, you know, you'll get feedback that's opposite. So some people will say, oh, we want more of this and other people say we want less of this, you know. And it's like, okay, well, you can't always – act on every piece of feedback that you receive because you'll go running from pillar to post and you know so you have you have to make decisions and kind of contextualize the feedback so how do you how do you decide what feedback to act on like what's gospel to you you know feedback wise and how do you just when do you just go yeah you know what we're not going to we're not going to do anything about that oh yeah um so yeah oh sometimes sometimes you have weeks where they're like um just they, I don't want to do jump boards. Oh, well, you, sorry. <laughs> That's not, they, you know, you don't get to choose what we're going to do in class. You know, um, you know, the instructors choose that. But oh, in terms of feedback, look, I get a lot of, you know, what, uh, maybe it's a bit of bias because the people who have n- not their biggest feedback, not the best feedback, they probably don't say it out loud. So I don't hear it as much. And I do text everyone and you do, maybe it's how I word it and things, you know, this is where I'm constantly trying to be better at what I'm doing is, you know, leaving those conversations open to hear some of the stuff that maybe um, clients don't tell me straight off the bat. Um, so I would like to sometimes hear a little bit more of that. Um, oh, I had something else I was going to say. I've lost my chain of thought. Um, but feedback, um Oh, I've lost my chain of thought. I had something else I was going to add to that. Sorry, Raf. That's all right. We can come back to it in a sec. Um, I, I want to know, like, your life, you know, must have must be a little different or considerably different now. I imagine since before when you were teaching F forty five, and then even when you were teaching Pilates uh, in another, you know, in in someone else's studio, it must be very very different now. So. What are the best things about owning a home-based business and how is your life different now than what it was, you know, a couple of years ago before you started on this journey? Um, yeah, so it's it's changed a lot. Um, the, well, the best parts um, for me working from home and having the studio at home is being able to be there for the kids. 
um, and not relying on my husband to have to be home from work so that I can go do my shift at another studio. Um, so, you know, when I work a, a, a Monday night, say I'll duck in, in between classes and make sure that they've brushed their teeth and, um, you know, and they're, they're, they've done their homework and then I'll rush back out to the studio. And, um, so it allows me to be a little bit more flexible with, um, the kids and our other business, um, it allows me to work more. If I was just in a studio, I, you know, it was really hard for me to commit. Like I wanted to be there, but it was really hard to, to commit to a lot of hours. Um, so that's good. And, you know, if my kids have got something on at school, I can, I can shuffle things around if I need to. So I guess the flexibility is one of the best parts of being at home and having my own, my own business. Um, and sorry, what was the other part of that question? And well, no, you've pretty much answered it. So the next question I want to ask you is how have you grown in this process? Um, I'm definitely more confident in my teaching ability and um, working with clients of all different types, body types, fitness. Um, I used to, I guess I used to like freak out if I had someone come in who'd never been on a reformer before, very unconditioned and then I had a room full of, you know, experienced, um, experienced clients that was really hard to manage. I found when I was, especially in a bigger studio, um, when you've got a much, a, a much larger amount room to, to keep an eye on. Um, but, um, yeah, so now I find that if I, I run like mixed ability, I run mixed ability classes. So you can have a brand new client and then someone who's intermediate. And it, I find that I'm just really, I don't, it, I don't even think twice anymore, whereas I used to worry about it. So I guess my growth as a teacher has come a long way. Um, but that's also thanks to <laughs> Breathe Education as well. So just a little plug as well. So cause since, since then I did my cert and I'm in doing the diploma at the moment. So that helps. <laughs> And so, well, I was going to ask you, so what caused your confidence to go? And I was expecting you to say something like, well, you've just done like bazillions of classes and you just got over it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> uh, and so you, you are, you've got three kids, two businesses, you teach 15 classes a week, you have two employees in this business and you mentioned employees in the other business as well, and you're you've completed the certification in Pilates and now you're currently doing the diploma. Like, where do you find the time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a juggle. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, a, what, what's the what's the saying? Like a duck with the legs under the water. I look like I'm moving really smoothly on the top, but it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm just going at, going at 100 miles an hour underneath. It's It's chaos. It's chaos. <laughs> Um, is there anything uh, now? You there was something that d escaped you a minute ago. Is it popped back into your mind at any point? Oh no, sorry, no, it has. No, <laughs> it's gone for good. So, the, the, the I just like to ask, like, finally, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Like, you know, if you're if you're talking now to somebody, you know, like yourself who has you know, is maybe a Pilates teacher or maybe they're, they're not yet a Pilates teacher, but they this is something that they dream of or they're contemplating, you know, like what, what would you like to say to that person starting, you know, that's like contemplating, you know, starting a home business doing, you know, doing basically what you're doing. What would you say to that person? Um, I guess the first thing is, yeah, like I said earlier, is you just, just give it a go. Just, just put yourself out there. Um, because you won't know unless you just, if you, if you don't try, um, and it could go either way, but it's probably, you know, if you're committed to something like that and you want to do it, you just, you'll make it happen. It's almost like the old, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Um, and I guess you've got to be prepared to work hard. Like, um, I guess from the, from the outset, it could look like it's just all happened and it's just all, all come together for me, but there's been a lot of hard work behind the scenes. So I guess, um, even though I work from home and it's around my kids, it's probably a lot more work and a lot, um, a lot harder now than I thought it was going to be. Um, 
So you've got to be prepared to put in the time and the effort. It's not just going to all fall on your lap. And if that means getting uncomfortable and meeting new people and um, and asking for advice when you think you need it or even just absorb as much information as you possibly can. Um, often I'm not one to just ask lots of questions, but I'll listen to hours and hours of podcasts and, and I'll just absorb everything and I'll listen to that podcast twice or three times because I just keep absorbing, absorbing, absorbing until it feels like, yeah, um, you know, it's it's sunk in. Like um, you just got to be, yeah, prepared to learn and just learn and learn and just get all the information that you can. And then, yeah, like you keep some and you throw some away and you just, you do what feels right. You sort of go with that gut feeling, I think. Tanil, this has been a great conversation and uh, it's yeah, I look, I look forward to, our, to uh, our next one and finding out where you take this next. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Raph. It's been a pleasure. I'm, um, it's uh, almost like a, a starstruck moment. I'm, I'm an avid Pilates Elephants listener, so to be on here is like next level. <laughs> After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.